Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about rewriting your incarnational contract. Which will raise a lot of consciousness. Yeah. Now, uh, well, just very quickly, uh, 20 years ago, you would say the term incarnational contract, and people would just drop their jaw and stare mindlessly. You have to have an attorney and spirit too. Yeah, and uh, for a while we were saying uh, if you have an incarnational contract, you have an incarnational lawyer, but that fell by the wayside. As, uh, but I don't think anyone picked that one up in particular. So there is this idea that there's something going on more than just the day-to-day -day of life, that there is an overall picture that we're being guided by, and it is in that way comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing to keep in mind when we say contract is since we have free will, then as far as the contract and everything go, uh, one way to look at it is the pencil of free will has an eraser on it. We are free to change anything. And that a contract is really, I, instead of a to-do list, I call it a to-experience list. And that we don't have to actually have the experience of it to get the wisdom from the experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember being a kid and somebody was saying, I overheard somebody's parent talking about how you have to uh, live the experience. Well, he's got to make his own mistakes. He's got to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, why? I could, I could gain many, many times as much wisdom by learning from other people's experience and mm -hmm. transcending the I have to do it type of thing. Yeah. So our contract really is editable at any time. Mm -hmm. So when you rewrite it, it, we rewrite it every moment that we make new decisions. Well, a wise man said that we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, and uh, this is very much a truth. Uh, at any point at which you can... Mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to do that later on in the show. Okay. Uh, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, meaning that uh, what wisdom has been gained uh, can be passed on to us through literature, through these days the uh, net, through this process, uh, through fiction, through mm -hmm. whatever method Absolutely. it is. You can have your experiencing that puts you into a position to, uh, and what we are doing here is converting experience to knowledge and knowledge to wisdom and wisdom to evolution. That is basically what's going on. So regardless, and the subconscious, the mind does not know. If you watch an unbelievably gory movie, and come on, we've all done that, you're, you react on some levels as though that was reality because that processor that we all are has to put that input in and then deal with it in a certain way. And until we become very balanced beings and, and until that's just you know, pure entertainment without the uh, baggage that goes with it. You know, in other words, if we were um, raised in a situation, well, we, we've done, a, we do this on a regular basis in consciously creating your life, getting to the basis of the experience, creating the um, effect of the patterning in your life. Mm -hmm. And the patterning in your life has to do with your incarnational contract. And we can ask people if they would care to call in and name even a single element in your incarnational contract which will be repeating patterns in your life. 
the pattern repeats so that you catch on to the bigger picture of it and yeah, get the wisdom and evolution from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, patterns can repeat, but one of the things I had people do when I taught a class on rewriting your incarnational contract is look for those major turns in your life, um, these major decisions. And after you look into your own life, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. But th there are times in your life where it's almost as if that decision or that big change in your life wasn't even up for you to decide. It was like it happened, and you found yourself looking back on it after it had happened. And it's in those moments that you can see the rough sketch or the rough outline of your two experience list here on, on, on physical, in physical dimension. And when you look at those, you can see um, an outline of, of this larger picture of what we came here to finish up or came here to experience. And it's really incredible. Well, one of the important concepts in it, <coughs> we, live, we, we have for years said, oh, I live in a stream of consciousness. Well, that is a correct answer. And uh, you could also say that you live in a stream of, an ex of experiences, which is another correct answer. And another correct answer is that we live in a stream of decisions. And the thing about that concept is that you can at this moment make a decision and in the next moment make a completely mm -hmm. opposite decision. Mm -hmm. And the completely opposite decision will more or less erase the original decision. So that, and it's the same thing with the stipulations in the contract. We have contracted here to have experience, to gain wisdom, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. so that we uh, do the evolving. Actually, we're doing the evolving for the universe in a very real way. Uh, it, it's very apparent, you know, the Hubble discovered, you know, 12 million other galaxies in the immediate neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then everybody that knows that um, reforms their concept of the universe, and the universe itself, of course, has to reform its concept of itself sure. because that's what we're doing here. We are the extension of God that is the experiencing of the creation, mm -hmm. which is also us. Well, so. we, it really is about decision. It's, a, it's something I had started to talk about last week uh, about um, finding uh, the, the experiencer within you uh, rather than being the thought or the thinker. And mm -hmm. what you will find underneath all that is we are a perception point that is in a perpetual decision-making mode that's perpetually deciding which experience it is witnessing or participating in through witnessing. And when we get to such a state when we can look and say, um, I'm choosing my experiences, we become more of a conscious creator it's like being on a skateboard with a bubble around you. Our past is behind us, our future is in front of us. And right now, the point of power, which is now, right here is the only place we can make a decision. We always talk about making a decision about tomorrow, oh, tomorrow I'll make the decision. Decision is an active verb. It happens in the moment, no matter how much information gathering and how much indecision you went through and how many sleepless nights you had. The decision happens in the moment that it comes out of your mouth. and and when we make that decision, it really does change our past and our future, as what you're saying. And seeing it like that, we have free will. So a lot of people have asked me, okay, well, do we have free will, or is it, has it been written for us? And I had that question myself. We were even talking earlier about those um, 
rolled palm leaves or something in India where everybody's supposed to have their life written out. Well, in any given moment, I can say, yes, our life has predetermined and pre-faded and there's no changing it. But in that split second that you make a new decision, a new future and past emerge. And in that split second, it's immutable. And then the next decision. So within this one decision, like let's say I chose right now, I'm holding this crystal, and it has a timeline of going back in my pocket after the show. And right now I make a decision to give it to you. Well, then as soon as I give it to you, a new future is written that is its absolute path as of that moment. Mm -hmm. So that's how there's a whole different existence each moment, moment to filled moment. with potential. Yeah. And the more you understand the trajectory of this moment, the more conscious you can be about making decisions to have a, a, a future or a direction or a trajectory that you really choose to have. Timeline's a very little understood thing. Basically, a line in and of itself is belying. The entire uh, concept of it is much more spiral in its nature, going over the same points again and again and again, but from the higher perspective. And that is, it's in league with what you're talking about, the idea that uh, yeah. no such thing as square one. Exactly. Any experience you have, and then when the experience repeats itself, then that's uh, like the glitch in the matrix in the movie where the black cat appeared and then the black cat appeared again. Uh, that is a signal for us to, um, if it is repeating, then there is a, uh, uh, another code that we can put into it that will get it to move forward as far as our evolution goes. In other words, if this pattern repeats, you know, uh, every day is the same. It's going on and on and on and all days are the same and the same New day, different feces is the popular expression. The idea that uh, what that is a signal to do is to make a different perceptual decision about reality because it is not actually possible for one day to be the same as the next day. It cannot, it never will have been done, not in the entire history of all the days in all the universes. No two are alike, much like snowflakes, but then well, again, that's only during the winter. Well, even. If it snows during the summer, it'll be true, too. Well, I, I posted something on Facebook yesterday uh -huh. where I suggested to people to look at things that they don't normally look at. When you walk in your house, you're probably used to looking at your messages and the cat and the cat food and whatever. You have this system. We have such a set of blinders on mm -hmm. of, of everything in your house. You probably never look at things. I remember as a kid, there was something hanging on our, hanging on our wall in the kitchen. And I had an awareness of being like five, six years old, and I looked up at it, and I think, I know that that's there, but I never look at that. And I, it, it all unfolded as this, wow. It was so amazing to me that something could be there, and it wasn't in my awareness. It was in the background. It's like this sketch drawing of these things. We can place our attention on something new, and our whole experience changes. And I suggested to people to do that, and and. People have been giving me some really interesting feedback about the things they noticed mm -hmm. um, just by placing your attention elsewhere. I did this when I worked. I can uh, sort the eras in my past by what route I took to work. Because I would take one route, like up the Beltway to Tyson's Corner. I did that for about two years. And then the next two years, I took Gallows Road. Mm -hmm. And then 
changing that up, we can change things and it helps us to remember our experiences as unique experiences. We can eat breakfast on the picnic table, we can take a different route to work, we yeah, can they were, were move your desk a little ways, mm -hmm. change up your life and it won't be so boring and unfulfilling. They were talking about the great studies done on the elderly and they asked. Yeah, that's what, what I was Yeah, I was just, uh, that, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, um, it was a show I saw a long time ago where they had the elderly people eat their breakfast on the picnic table, people that were having difficulty remembering yeah, I things. Had, uh, yeah, yeah, and so they found that when you do something new, like eat your breakfast on the picnic table or drive a different route to work, that you could remember everything about the day because it was no longer stored in the same old file. Yeah, you opened up new files and uh, you have new experiences. So the idea of our incarnational contract, and we are saying this again, is not the idea that it's immutable and the fact that it is very mutable. And uh, having um, died earlier on in life, there is the recognition that uh, there was a new contract issued with the reanimation. And um, I was told in um, some form of awareness, uh, when you I was a shot in the head and, and recovering from such a thing. You go in and out of uh, consciousness <coughs> in unusual ways. Um, okay, so the, um, uh, it was whispered to me that I had 44 years from the reanimation. And uh, for some time I uh, renegotiated my contract and lengthened that amount of time. And then for some time, I renegotiated it and shortened it. And uh, this has happened so long and in so many different ways that I am now, once again, not certain of the length that I'll be here. But I know it'll be perfect. I know it will be exactly the correct amount of time. And I also know that I will have done an excellent job of the incarnation. I already know that. So if it ended in the next minute, I'd be very happy about it. If it ended in a 1,000 years, I'd be very happy about it. So that whole thing just went away because of the amount of hashing over of it that I did. But I do believe that was accurate and could probably one day draw up the math to figure out the probability of the projection of the original contract. If it won't bother, why would I? It would spoil the surprise now, if I had the palm leaf to read that was the entire of my life, even if it was the palm leaf from the reanimation. I still, I would burn it. I would not be interested in the palm leaf because it would take away the element of surprise. The very reason you would get up is the, to the see The reason it. you come into forgetfulness. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that it, it really depends on um, how, how much of a factor it is and what you came to experience. But I, I was going to ask you, and I'm, I'm sure there are probably people in the studio audience or the, the audience out there in TV audience, land. I, yes. Um, <coughs> when you were negotiating it, who were you negotiating it with? And uh, well, was it with your higher answers. self? That is definitely a correct answer. Uh, the idea of the universal connectedness of all things, the idea of God, the idea of the continuum, the idea, there's just thousands and thousands of very accurate and very different ways to refer to. I, mm -hmm. I have universal intelligence mm -hmm. is perhaps the one I favor. But uh, that recognition of how everything is interconnected, we lose. As human beings, we have agreed not to recognize how interconnected everything is. Now, this could be a contractual stipulation you might make. 
to recognize that everything is connected to everything so that if the butterfly flaps its wings in um, wherever that butterfly was and there's therefore a tsunami that hits wherever that hits, etc., that it is all interrelated, <coughs> and that even if you violently opposed and, and went and uh, took care of that little butterfly, uh, still that this would be what was going on. It's not like, and then again, our free will does have an enormous effect. So if we're following me, because I certainly am, <laughs> uh, what we're saying is that this continuum, this connectedness, is something to be very aware of. I was talking about the, the cat seems to know when I'm going to wake up, and not a little either. And it's not like the cat wakes well, me. It's like the cat will be true. sitting there looking at me when I wake up, yeah. and there's the cat. And the cat Animals does this are be very telepathic. because it, and more than that, aware of the interconnectedness of it well, all. Well, that's tele telepathy, too. Yeah, and that's true, too, well, a correct answer. They, um, this one guy um, found that he, he, he was feeding this big turtle, this big tortoise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they had rescued because people were feeding it really horrible food and it was sick. Anyway, he found that at 1 o'clock every day when he went out to feed it, the turtle was waiting for him. So he decided to do an experiment. He went at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. He, he delayed it by a certain amount of time. The turtle did not come out at 1 o'clock, but it did come out right before he went outside at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So then the next time, he just thought about feeding the animal or, yeah, or the tur heard. turtle, and, and it came out. Yeah. So we are connected. There's there's no doubt about that. Right. But before we get off on the subject of, of rewriting the incarnational contract, and I'd like to get back to that because I think that's very interesting, um, just a, a little story, you know, where you said you died and you renegotiated your contract. Yeah. <clears throat> just I'm going to share when that happened with me uh -huh. and how it looked for me okay. because I'm sure it's very unique for all of us, and it's interesting to hear more about how it worked for you with negotiating and how it worked for me. Mm -hmm. I think I look at it differently than having it be a contract so much, although I guess you could describe it that way. But I had from an, early, mm -hmm, from an early age through many forms of divination. I've used divination since I was, ever since I can remember, I was reading poems or something uh, or playing cards. And it always said, you know, when you're a kid, you ask silly questions like, how old will I be when I die? And it said 36 repeatedly through probably 10 years of me asking. And so it was around the time that I was 36. And of course, I had forgotten in my conscious mind all of that. And I was driving home one night. And I was going down this very narrow road. And this guy in one of those souped up GTOs um, from the 70s type, those big cars, you know how big they are. They're very heavy. I was in a tiny Chevette. And it was coming at me, and there was nowhere to go. It was coming at about 45 or 50 miles an hour. And I didn't have anywhere to go, and I knew we were going to hit each other. And in that moment, it slowed down. I stepped out of time, and I realized that I changed my mind, that I was not going to exit then. And at that decision, it was so simple. It was in the form of a decision that the car on the other direction lifted up. It, the screeching brakes became silent and it lifted up and moved away and we floated right past each other and then you the screeching began again and you could smell the rubber and I looked back and uh, he was sitting there both of us in shock mm -hmm. and I had an experience like that recently as well I was driving down 95 and and not that exact one but I realized that that was one of my exit points and mm -hmm. it had been discussed with me in dreams mm -hmm. and people it's been documented for 
a long, long time that we come and visit each other even weeks to months before we decide to cross to discuss it with our loved ones. Mm -hmm. My mother came and told me that before mm -hmm. she left. So we do know it's, it's, it's pretty much, even if you go by body of evidence thinking, there's a lot of proof that we know when we're going to cross. And the fact that we can make up our mind to not do it then is pretty profound to me. Yeah, a lot of people over the years have called in for advice about uh, a similar subject, which is that they will say, um, you know, I dreamt so-and-so was going to die, and then they died. And uh, on the other side of it, I dreamt uh, someone was uh, in the family was to become uh, pregnant. And uh, the next thing they knew, that person called and said that they were pregnant. And so people didn't want to get phone calls from this person uh, for the very fact that they may be talking about um, in or out. And that is the position of the gatekeeper. Each clan has someone who agrees to take upon themselves the role of gatekeeper. They can have many, many other things that they're doing in their life, but that this is a specific place. And so this in and out uh, makes it possible for uh, us to receive conscious mind. Now, if we go very, very far back in time, uh, this um, concept of the gatekeeper, if we go to ancient Egypt, um, was so advanced in that time, uh, that people were so aware of it, that not only would they know somebody was going to show up, they would also know about their contract or whatever we want to call this incarnational concept of what we came here to do. And they would know specifically that this person came to be a priest or a priestess. They came to study astrology. They came to study some, um, they came to be the scribe. They came to, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so there is the idea that uh, we are uh, woven together like an enormous tapestry. And the people who are Jewish are in the habit of naming the new baby after whoever has recently departed mm -hmm. so that these threads remain, uh, just like the DNA threads, yeah, yeah, remain connected that. in and of itself. So I wanted to take the opportunity to ask people to call in if they would like to talk about some aspect of their contract. Now, the overall purpose of the contract in, just let me finish, hmm? the, overall, yeah, the overall purpose of everyone's contract is the idea that we're going to evolve, is the idea that that's, that's what we all came here to do, that we are going to, in the process of our life, finish the um, process by which we become the greater us. That is the point. And so if anyone wants to call in with uh, the purpose of their contract or an individual stipulation in it, that would be very interesting. So the... Well, um, I, I thought as far as people looking for their incarnational contract, I think perhaps we could talk a little bit about what that looks like in your life so that people can mm -hmm. even call up. Because it, it can be a block of fear, a limiting belief can also look like part of your contract when it isn't. And there are those times where a contract, whatever, you know, that's not really a term, yeah. For me, uh, but I understand the term, and That's so it. I'm using it. Mm -hmm. I, I would say it's our agenda or whatever. Yeah. But there are those times where it looks like we don't have free will over something, like those big major decision points where maybe you said something, it, like you weren't even conscious of saying something to somebody that you were dating, and then that caused them to break up with you. And it's like, what did I do? What did I do? And what that really was is a, an editing 
of, of your reality so that you would keep more to a certain path so that you would have more experiences later down the road. It's sort of like um, synchronizing you uh, or synchronizing your life and, and divine timing. Um, whenever I, well, not when I get delayed, but whenever it appears I'm getting delayed, I trust that to be synchronizing me for something down the road, and I always say my timing is perfect. Mm -hmm. So our free will is like that. For instance, if um, you decided that you weren't going to go to college and everything kept pushing and you ended up in college, you can see where our life nudges us in certain directions. It's like a cable car. When mm -hmm. you're connected to, to your true path, you're energized and you're funded. And when you're not, that's a big signal that this is not funding me, this is draining me. Well, as we become more alert, and this is true, and another aspect in this concept, so I reach for the, I, um, I'm going to reach for sugar to put in my drink, and I'm intending to reach for one packet, and when I pull it back, I've brought two. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, just the defining of the nudging, so to speak, um, doesn't mean That's that... That's why I was saying you've got to be really conscious. Yeah, exactly. Not be as, a block or As we like become that. more alert to this concept, then, no, I intended one. It doesn't mean that I have to take it because the second one came along. There's, this is superstition, and th that is the point at which we want to separate from, you know, in other words, yes, our, our overall contract, we are indeed as though in a river flowing in a certain direction, a correct answer. And yet at the same time, we are making these choices, yet another correct answer. So the idea that we are in charge of it is correct, and the idea that there are inclinations correct also. So not to give our power up totally to one or the other, you know, at rigidly adhering to, I will choose this and it will happen, not, uh, okay, rather, and, and the opposing, so to speak, or the other pole there. And then the third pole, which is the decision about each individual moment, whether or not you take the two packets of sugar or one, or whether or not you go to college or not, or whatever the rest of it might be, but that we are ultimately in the um, a creative seat of our life. We are choosing everything that happens to us. And the recognition of the entire thing as being choreographed at an unimaginably high level is also true. Once we become aware of this um, inner connectedness, this inner reaction that's in this constant flow that's going on, uh, the way the cat knows that we're going to wake up or whatever that particular story goes, once we are become consciously aware of this interconnectedness, one of the first things that leaves is the idea of a victim. You know, that entire concept, you cannot have free will and be a victim. Um, and victim is just the blame game. And the most popular word on the news is the word victim. You know, this it just goes away once we are aware of how the entire thing is choreographed and what's more, it is on our side, regardless of who we are. But the, the smaller mind, I, was, I lost this, and I was, oh, that was taken away. And this was, uh, uh, oh, no, wait, I was doing all that. Oh, well, then there you are. There's the resolve. Now, the contract is talking about the nudging, so to speak, about the idea that I may have fought it for all I was worth, but now I realize that it was good that I did that. You know, follow so that it was in the contract to have done that, but it was in the um, process that the opposition occurred. Hmm. So that there's always this movement forward. Well, I think um, 
you know, you were talking about recurring patterns in our life, and, and it yeah. is important to look at recurring patterns, especially in our relationships. Um, even if it's not revealing an incarnational contract, it does reveal things that we're not hearing. One of the reasons things repeat in our lives is because we haven't heard it. Yeah. One reason we would come here to ex have certain experiences is because we haven't been hearing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's always worth really, really listening when things happen multiple times. Oh, yeah. What is the message in it? And here is where it's really critical to hear the message with, through the eyes of love, as if you loved you, not as mm -hmm. if you're hurting you. Yeah. You know something um, just I thought I would mention because it was an observation of mine that our power, knowing that we are in charge, that some part of us, the, the fact that we could consciously make a different decision about our death, mm -hmm. like we were talking about oh, yeah. earlier, it shows you that we are so disconnected from our power mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. because we think everybody else, um, you know, it's, it's like we're in the blame game. Okay, it's the boss's fault. It's, it's the uh, spouse's fault. It's whoever's fault, the government's fault. That's such uh, an illustration of feelings of powerlessness. We could really watch what we speak in that way and pull it back home because it's really mm -hmm. true. And I noticed that people exercise their power in a paradigm of powerlessness in the form of disapproving of others. Mm -hmm. I, I watched like somebody walked by another person in the store and they God. And there was just such a look of disapproval for that person. Mm. And we've all felt that when people gave us that disapproval, disapproving look or a judgmental statement. And we go, oh, and we cringe like it hurts. If you look at that impersonally and take nothing personally, which is one of the four agreements, and it's something in the uh, Carlos Castaneda book, books as well, is such a freeing thing. Know when people push disapproval upon you, it's them feeling powerless. And allow them to feel their powerlessness and not play the game with them. And when you are finding yourself disapproving of others, look at that and number one, say, where am I dis what part of me do they represent? And love that part of you back. And say, where is it that I'm feeling powerless? And when we're disapproving of some part of us, we feel powerless. Oh, absolutely. Because we'll withhold love from us yeah. then. As soon as we are being judgmental, we are sliding backwards mm -hmm. on the evolutionary scale. And then nothing, no offense to the Spanish Inquisition or et cetera, et cetera, but that was actually a very powerless thing uh, to have been so judgmental of our fellow person. I tell you, it's, it's a painful, and if there was something at all unattractive, I think it would be judgment. Um, and it's, it's rather... Arrogant and arrogance really is the same thing as being lack of self-esteem. They're both the same. There's yeah, ends of the well spectrum, yeah. but that sitting in judgment. Well, I don't like her dress. How could she wear something like that? It's mm -hmm. it's an illustration of powerlessness. And when you see it that way, you can free yourself from having to to play the game. And judgmentalness, evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> and judgmentalness is evil enough. The evil twin is attachment. The evil, mm -hmm. It is equally judgment. To be attached and judgmental are synonymous Yeah. in that same way. I am attached to these things being different. Well, have a lot of fun with that. You know, by, your way, uh, by the way, be in opposition to everything while you're at it. And, you know, this entire concept of the backward thinking, I've always commented how amazing it is 
that human beings walk facing forward, given the backwardness of us as a group. I, I just thought of something with the incarnational contract. Instead of saying, what did I come here to do, like get married or experience having children, ask yourself, what did I come here to have as a byproduct of an experience? Because the byproduct of having children would be that sense of fulfillment and dealing with the, the role of responsibility and when to let go of that and when to hold tighter onto that. And there's all these things, but it creates a state of wisdom. So we really came here to have a byproduct of certain types of wisdom. And that, I think, would come to us very clearly. Another thing to do is to map out your life, write the year of your birth and every year up until now, and write down anything that you can remember, particularly major decision points, major change points in your life. And that's going to give you an idea. We don't always cross to get to the river. We don't always start here and want to get straight across. Sometimes we go down this way and over. And it's not abstract or random or chaotic. There's very specific reasons. We go to those stepping stones to pick up kernels of wisdom that we may have dropped in a past life. So every step along your path is completely important. Looking at it that way changes the whole game right there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this concept of um, thinking in trinities, which we've been talking about for many, many years, yeah. yeah, A very long time, uh, which brings up the concept of the uh, latest book out, which is strangely enough called Self-Empowerment Protocols. Eleven. Yeah, Eleven Self-Empowerment Protocols. And uh, this book's... um, uh, this is the galley copy that I was just sent. In other words, I haven't received the major shipment of them, but we'll have them shortly. And uh, if one was interested and uh, wished to email in about it, if you could put in the uh, subject line subject line that uh, about Neville's new book, and then that'll get it treated in a different way than other emails, so so that we I'll can I'll put perfume on it. And yeah, uh, massage put it. Put a feather boa yeah, around a it. A virtual massage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this is what it is, and there's this section in it devoted to uh, Trinity. And I just wanted to pick up on the, the axiom of the Trinity is that uh, we as a race right now, the insanity that is the human race, and that is not inaccurate, uh, is bipolar by its nature. You're up or you're down. Either state is very unbalanced. There is a third point of view that is necessary to get to uh, before we are going to move through this and that third point, the idea of thinking in trinities. So as we have been discussing, judgment is a very poor way to think because it automatically lowers your uh, equation, automatically lowers your gain, so to speak, in the CB slang of gain. You're receiving less signals. The more judgmental you are, the less you are aware of. It makes you uh, under-conscious as opposed to subconscious or unconscious underconscious. Anger will make you underconscious almost immediately. You're just not aware of what was going on. So a whole lot of programming took over. I seem to not be in charge of it once this programming took over. So we were saying about the uh, evil twin of judgment. It's actually an evil triplet. Well, there's a whole avenue of thinking. Uh, The evil twin of um, judgment is indeed attachment. The mediocre, the evil, and the good. Yeah, the, <laughs> the good, attachment. the bad, and the mediocre. <laughs> yeah, so the, the judgment, the attachment, and the third one is the idea of uh, being in a state of resistance. Any of these three will put you into a state of 
less than conscious, under consciousness. So to be aware of that and to pull yourself out of it is to begin this process of being aware of trinities. Because uh, we, we talk about there's so many teachers that, and all of us gather from that singular column of knowledge, wisdom, which turns out to be evolution, but there is the Buddhist column was one way to refer to it. Um, Jed Tower was another one. There have been many names for it over many civilizations on our planet, but there is this singular vein or current of wisdom, and many of the Egyptians have their, as though the trunk of a tree, the Egyptians have their branch, etc., etc. So this idea of being able to pull from this uh, universal wisdom is what's going on. Anyone can gain access to it. It, it, There are many names for it. And um, the process of getting into thinking in trinities is germane to this. What the trinity does is whenever there is two oppositional uh, perspectives, there has, in order to get out of the fight, you have to have a third perspective, which is which is what we're all talking about, or, mm-hmm. or when I was um, talking about the thinker and the thought, and then the, the experiencer of that, that ex- thing, which means you can't be the thought to, to experience it, right. and you can't be the thinker. You have to be in the experience of it. So it's like, a, it's like an engine, uh, fo- or, or one foot moving forward, digging yeah. in, the yeah. other foot moving forward, right. and when you pan up, you can see that it is movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think the Trinity thing, I, I remember um, Neville and I, when we first did shows that were um, dedicated to teaching or looking inside you to become more of a whole person, we did a three-part Banishing Fear series, yeah, yeah. and we had note cards with all these Trinities on it, mm-hmm. um, and I know the Urantia book has some really interesting oh, yeah, things, and, in and you're... Um, you know, you've come up with some examples yourself and, and pull it in. And I think it's something that's so real and so intuitive that we'll notice that that is the wisdom. You have the, 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 um, the choice, the decision to have the experience. And then you have the experience. And then you have the wisdom from it. Everything comes like that or it's not a complete picture. And um, I, I don't know. I just think it's really powerful. But well, congratulations for your book. And oh, also, the day that that arrived, Neville also found out that his other two books will be in ebook format on Kindle at some point in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't Sony's think they gave you. version of it. it said yeah, it. No, Sony's we don't version. know when exactly. But, and this one's going into that formatting also. And uh, uh, just to return to our theme, uh, all human beings are heir to the concept of thinking in trinities. As long as we remain in polar thinking, it's good or it's bad, we're not getting very far. And so this idea of we, the human race, stepping into the concept of thinking in trinities, we, we do this. Come on, let's do this. Let's step out of uh, the bipolar consciousness and into... And that is the beginning of this awareness. We have the... Um, Awareness of separation, and boy, we've got that one, and our name for it is the illusion. And uh, then there is also the recognition that it is all one thing. It is all completely interconnected. There is no one atom that I can have an influence on that does not influence every other atom in the entire universe. That's absolutely the truth. And the more we can step into our recognition as a being that has the marvels to do the trinity. In other words, I'm aware of the polarity. 
and I'm also aware of the unity, and I can be aware of both at the same time, and therefore function in 3D reality uh, many, many times more successfully than if I just know about the illusion, or that if I just know about the unity, it is the combination of the three that makes for the movement forward, the trinity thinking. And so the process goes um, uh, universal, actually. And this is, I'm told, the uh, um, overall contract of we, the human race, is to step into this consciousness of a combination of unity and illusion together. So the trinity is who it is we are becoming. Be the first on your block to actually think in trinities, to change, because as long as you think in the polarity, there is the idea of um, that you're stuck on one pole or the other. This is good. No, this is bad. This is good. No, this is bad. This is the idea of um, uh, being stuck, and that's just not the deal. It's very ungainly, and it, it very easily leads to judgmental, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it gets to uh, attachment to an outcome or yeah. attachment to a perspective. It makes you mm-hmm. like glue. You're either yeah. stuck to the good or you're stuck to the bad. Uh, when you see them both as the same thing, then it's not really something that you can be attached to or stuck to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I would say that one of the, the biggest things that we're talking about here that is very freeing is that you do not have to have the experience to gain the wisdom. You can call the wisdom to you immediately. Mm-hmm. And so even if you came here to have an experience, the reason you are is to gain the wisdom. And that's what is talked about in that metaphor of the forgiveness for our sins. It means that we can render ourselves innocent right now by, by command of your thought. Yes. And we can then unstick ourselves from this punishment that we think we have to walk mm-hmm. through. Your incarnational contract, ultimately, bottom line, is to gain wisdom and to find happiness and self-acceptance, self-love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get d- distracted by external events that uh-huh. make us think that Just we're not good enough. And we allow those events to influence our love for ourselves. And then we're running around picking up our little pieces of us that we've shut out based on that disapproval. Mm-hmm. You know, the presidential yeah. approval rating. It's our disapproval rating. What's your disapproval rating today? How, what is the percentage of your time that you spent disapproving of yourself today? Yeah. And if you start paying attention to that, you become the observer of that, and it's automatically within you then. Anything that you put within you becomes within your power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. And so there's, um, oh, there was another aspect of it in there that I have forgotten now, but that's perfect. Okay. Well, oh, I you can set yourself free at this moment also. That you're, we all feel that we're running at a deficit like some gambler that's down uh, X thousand dollars in their career as a gambler. And if they make $8,000 but they're down 50, the 8,000 means nothing. And so uh, if you are immediately caught up just by the thought that I, I owe nothing, I, I'm not behind at all. That's all we're ever taught right from the beginning of our life is how far behind we are. And, and we're not. We're not behind at all. Well, I've always said that there's no race, there's no finish line, and there's yeah. nowhere you have to be. And it doesn't matter if you choose to work on one experience for two million years. It's, there's no 
there's no uh, penalty for that. Mm -hmm. There's no early withdrawal from the cosmic endlessness. So don't worry about it. Be yourself. Enjoy the moment. And start observing things. That, that was one sick duck. duck. Than usual, yeah. That was a sick right. duck, let me tell you. Here, here's the holy and sacred duck. In other words, that duck is sick. so funny that I got this card. What did Expectancy. you get? Expectancy. Expectancy? Expectancy. Yeah, I expect so. I don't even want to touch it. It's just, uh, as long as you are, it, first of all, it's expect. You're expecting it from outside of you, which will never be accurate. Mm -hmm. well, it has to be from within, and so it would be inspectancy, well, which has a different meaning. Everything can be seen as the good pole or the bad pole, or both together, and so perhaps the expectancy from that Trinity thinking is um, expect the best, or expect happiness, or well, expect wonderful things, or whatever. That you don't get what you expect, you get what you inspect, which is an accurate way of thinking. In other words, well, when the package comes and you expect that it has the deal that you drew up, but it does not, then you're crestfallen. Oh. based on expectation rather than inspectation. So. I got obedience. I see. And I have made jokes about that in the past, and there was a run of time where I got it because I was resisting that word because yeah, I don't feel mm -hmm. that that is of a real word that we have to do. But one thing about obedience is you have to be at one with yourself. Obey or having an obedience to who you really are and not to being pulled all over. We have a call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi. My name is Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis. Hi. Um, I just was, uh, I, I, you know, all my life I've been helping other people and, and I don't have children of my own and I've been sort of expected in the family to do for other people. But now I'm, I feel like, I'm going to be moving into another direction. I was wondering if you could give me a reading. Sure. That's, that's an that's interesting one. That's a, another thing, like doing things for other people. Because really, we were sold a package of goods just through our culture, our society. And for many, many years, that the more we do, the more we can get ourselves to a place where we can have a free ride of not having to worry about our lovability. And almost always we come crashing to a halt at that point. Because when we stop, not only do people say, oh, you've worked so hard, thank you. Here, you go off, you take care of you. You spend some really creative time going off on some adventures. It usually doesn't happen that way. And it doesn't happen that way so that we learn that if it's not good for us, then it's not good for the other person either. And where to draw lines and everything. The beyond illusion is talking about there are some things that some illusions that are being shattered in your life right now which are wonderful because you're going to begin to see your own self and master yourself at being who you really are and those illusions being shattered I'm sure you must feel that this if you've been helping people is the exhaustion when we are to be helping someone it's funded and we get energized and when we're not we get tired which is that cable car analogy I was making earlier and the clinging to the past is to let go of your past identities. And that's the biggest direction you're moving in, is to let go of these old things that you used to identify with 
And when you let go of that, then the magnet will pull in all of these other things. And it does feel like there's been a vacuum with your creativity that once you get that, just whoosh, a lot of stuff being pulled in. Mm -hmm. okay. And I uh, certainly have our next caller. Just very briefly, I wanted to uh, say that today in Mayan is 11 Eb, which is the day before my Mayan birthday, which is tomorrow. And uh, we, I'm sure we have our next caller online. I'm an Eb in the long count. Yeah. Which is the humanitarian. Okay, mm -hmm. do we have another call? And what's your name, please? Hi, this is Diane in Tucson. Hey, hey Diane, how are yay. you? <laughs> I wanted to get a birthday reading from Mary, please. Oh, well, oh happy, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? I, I saw immediately a bird totem of yours fly in. I felt like there was red in them, and at first I thought there was a cardinal, but it might even be a parrot. I don't know if... I know in my deck that I made animal cards, the parrot is being your true self and letting your color show. And sometimes throughout your life, you've, you've had to hide that away because people weren't really ready to see something brilliant. But now is the time. This first card, ex the existence card, talks about running your own business. And that if you've been thinking about this or been pondering it, now's really the time to bring that out because it's a good year for that also of joining together and celebrate your birthday. Our birthday is a special day for us to be able to say, hey, I'm here and I love me. It's a good way to show how much you love yourself. And then the harmony is the beautiful things that are coming. I really feel this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful year for you. It's time. It's ready. You deserve it. Even if we had to, to earn something, you've already earned it. But we don't. It's all yours by right. So happy birthday. It's going to be wonderful. Have fun and celebrate. Yeah. Okay. And by the great synchronicity, your, your Mayan, your progressed Mayan sign is 11 Eb, mm -hmm. which puts you in the wave spell we're familiar with. Well, it's just also synchronous, everything. Yeah. And I'm sure we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name? Hi, my name is Christy. Christy, what can we do for you? I just wanted to let you all know how much I'm, I'm enjoying your show, first Thank of all. You. Um, I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I was laid off from my job back in October. Mm -hmm. uh, I am looking at it as a blessing in disguise. I was very, very unhappy with my, the previous path I was on. I've been taking a lot of time to do some soul searching. Mm -hmm. I'm getting an, an idea of where I might want to go next, but I'm wondering if you might be able to do a reading. I'd be to happy to. I'm, okay, see if I'm on the right track. That's great. You know, we were even talking about that before the show, about people... Um, making decisions in our life but not knowing that we've made the decision as in mm -hmm. getting laid off and things mm -hmm. look we got the beyond illusion card again getting through knocking away chipping away the illusion illusionary matrix of what you thought you should or had to be and that brings up the idea that you're you're really tired of living something that's not your authentic truth also to the energy i'm not sure if it was in the workplace you, you just got laid off from but the Politics can, can refer to office politics, too, or some kind of thing. that I, I just feel like I'm covered with rubber bands, and I'm trying to move this way, and I just keep getting pulled back. And so, yes, that was the way your angels came to burn your hold away, or its hold away over you. And now it's time to step into that silence, and this is about being near the water and about getting in touch with the feminine and your receptivity and your creativity. There's a lot going on in the ethers, and I feel goddess energy around you. 
and moonlight and it, all the things that that represents and then as it manifests it, it does in a powerful way. I felt inspired to draw a fourth card for you and this can talk about opportunities coming from the west or going someplace sunny like Florida or California that has a bearing on things and that could be what that represents, you know, getting out from the inside to the outside. Thank you. And we and, have one uh, more call? I'm certain we do. another call? Uh, hi caller, what's your name please? Diane. Diane. Um, I just you? wanted to say hi. hi. Um, I, we actually went out to dinner one night after your show, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, great. Oh. Thank you. Well, anyway, um, today is a special day for my family. It's, uh, it's my nephew's birthday, and unfortunately he was killed nine years ago. Um, is it possible to have a reading to somehow contact um, him through you yeah, let's, and let's my dad? See. Yeah. Um, is there anybody... Um, I, I felt a lot of people come when you first started talking. Um, I, I feel like somebody's got red hair or uh, Kevin or K, a K, somebody like that around you. There's a, there's a lot of energy. Now let's, let's contact your nephew. Um, let, it, let the cards talk about what he would like to communicate. The friendliness card is to me saying, look, we're all okay. Everybody we're always on our path. It's not like we're knocked off our path and then we find ourselves, oh no, we're here alone and isolated. This is a really positive card also talking about that the communication is still possible and can still go on. Let's just hang up the phone, okay, but let's pick up the email or something like that. And the fool is embarking on a new adventure. This is such a lightness of spirit. I feel like that lightness of spirit has been around him all along and it's not something new to where he is now. But taking that, that plunge, that leap of faith, and he's encouraging everyone else to go on and move, move on and, and be happy and take that next step. Now the aloneness card is not loneliness, it's embarking like the hermit off to find and discover his own light so that he can impart that light onto the world. He definitely had and has a path that's solely his own and that He's never really done thing in, in the timetables of other people, and that's a testimony to who he is. Very strong, wonderful yeah. energy. And in the recognition of the synchronicity of all things, there has never been anyone who has ever had their life cut short. Mm -hmm. That is not real. That is not a way to yeah, think. Yeah, different lifespans. Yeah, yeah everybody has the perfect length of life. Uh, how many uh, minutes do we have? Uh, one minute? Two minutes? Okay. Yeah, so very... I important. Was, there was something. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, um, I had somebody had written that was out of the country oh, that yeah. wanted a reading, but we do not have time. So, Karen, okay. if you're watching this, perhaps next week we can get to it. Yeah. And um, uh, oh, I'm teaching charisma Saturday, as I recall, and Saturday is also the fire ceremony, the mm -hmm. new moon ceremony. So, if uh, being more charismatic is something that interests you, please come to the class. And if the benefits of the fire ceremony, which is all on the web. Uh, if that is of interest also. And we're about to be at Ruby Tuesdays here in Fairfax Snorkel, uh, which is near Fairfax Circle, but it's But it's lower. underwater. Yes, okay. But you can still breathe. And uh, we'll be at Ruby Tuesdays, so come and join us. We just take out straws and, and put them together. Well, Ruby Tuesdays provides infinite number of straws upon request. And uh, if you're uh, in the, that the new book is out and to, uh, put uh, in the subject line uh, the idea of Neville's new book, and we'll be uh, informing you of other stipulations 
about it. And, Indeed. And as long as we're having fun. That it was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And we do have a crystal class coming up in the not too distant future. future. Um, that's going to be really fun. So. And the trip, the journey to the Serpent Mound. Serpent Mound's coming up. I'm working on the materials to explain it mm -hmm. all and to let people know what we're doing. Joy and honor to take you to the door. And you know you're going to go through it. <laughs>